Hello, and a very warm welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. In this episode, we'll be exploring the subject of social media. Um, Social media is something that the pharmaceutical industry is constantly trying to navigate and is now slowly discovering the value of. Uh, We're very fortunate today to be joined by some real experts on the subject, all the way from Ogilvy Health, Rick Evans and Chloe Particus. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Hello, and thank you so much for having us on. No problem at all. No problem at all. Just to give you a bit of background, Rick is the Digital Health's Senior Digital Strategist, and Chloe is their Social Media Director. Um, For those that don't know, Ogilvy is a hugely successful, world-famous advertising, marketing, and and public relations agency. Um, Now, Rick and Chloe have just published their 2020 social media checkup on the pharmaceutical industry, Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing some of the findings. Welcome, Chloe, and welcome, Rick. How are you today? Yeah, we're going really well. We're really excited to chat through our report findings with you today and to talk about lots of the key takeouts that we learned from doing our deep dive on pharma social media over the past year. Yeah, really looking forward to sharing it. Great stuff. Excellent. So it's been two years since you published the the last social media checkup report. How much has changed over those two years? Oh, gosh, so much has changed. Uh, I mean, it's not just the social networks themselves. So, um, you know, how we think about engagement has changed. Uh, Paid socials become so much more sophisticated. But also there have been some huge news stories and scandals that have really rocked the way that the social networks operate. Um, Obviously, the first one that, that comes to mind is probably the Cambridge Analytica scandal and how that's affected Facebook. And, you know, that's affected the way that the channels um, process data, the functionality they offer, and also the insights that we're able to get from the platforms. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, now, now, pharma is an industry under scrutiny with you know reputational challenges, as we yeah, we just talked about some of the challenges there, but uh, also GDPR, compliance regulations to navigate. Yeah. Um, there is a fear that pharma is putting a, a foot wrong. To what extent do you think this is warranted and why should pharma be prioritising social media? Uh, well, first of all, I think it's fair to say that um, pharma is, of course, a regulated industry, and that can really yeah. affect uh, what they can and can't talk about on social media. You know, compared to uh, many consumer industries, they can't talk about many of their products, for example, because, you know, they can't talk about uh, prescription-only medicines because patients might have access to that that content. Yeah. Um, however, the world's really changed and um, people expect all companies and businesses to be um, transparent. Um, people expect to have access to those companies and to be able to interact with them. And um, particularly now when we're in the middle of um, COVID-19 world, um, yeah. you know, people really kind of, the pharma has something to say right now. It's it's they're, they're actually very involved in that, and it's uh it's not a matter of um them you know kind of sort of shirking the responsibility to be on there. They actually really need to be there at the coal yeah, face. Definitely. Also, I think that the the workforce is um you know becoming predominantly millennials as well, and millennials are you know, very kind of social media active. And, um, you know, Chloe and I were actually having a conversation about this the other week, you know, pharma companies are at the forefront of science and innovation. But if they can't keep up in terms of uh, technological communications, then people start to doubt their authenticity and expertise. 
yeah, t- totally agree. And and we, we talk about social media as if it's just one thing, but there's obviously you know uh, huge amounts of different social platforms out there. Can you talk us through which of the different platforms are best for which purposes? So it always comes down to a project by project basis and thinking first and foremost about one, your business objectives and how social media can support this and secondary, who your key audience or your audiences are. So, but generally, you know, when we do look at the platforms, the way we would approach it. So LinkedIn is obviously for professional purposes. It's really good for targeting specific customer groups. So in the pharma space, this could be our healthcare professionals like oncologists or pulmonologists, researchers, or um, generally we wouldn't really look at LinkedIn for patients. It's also really good to use this for attracting new employees, so telling your corporate story and for advertising job roles. Now, when we look at Twitter, um, that is an amazing channel when you have a really timely moment. So this could be in healthcare around a Congress or a disease awareness milestone. It's really helpful for people who physically can't be in an event. So for example, if you have an oncologist who is in Australia and they can't physically make it to ASCO that might be in Chicago, this would be a really good channel for them to follow what's happening um, digitally so that they can kind of feel like they're there. And so thirdly, now we would look at Facebook and Instagram as a primary channel for patients. So uh, when you hear um, the senior team of Instagram and Facebook talk about the channels, they say these are places that people go to find out about their friends and family, and then they're open to finding out about their interests. So thinking about this as the basis for the platform, um, people are having quite personal conversations on the platform um, with their friends and family, but also... Um, with other communities, and we especially see this in the rare diseases space. So I think um, recapping this, LinkedIn would be for professional purposes, um, Twitter's around the timely moments, and Facebook and Instagram is for patient-focused communications. Yeah, we, we, we've certainly found that when we're at Congress that Twitter suddenly uh, yeah, really, really starts going through the roof. Yeah, um, it's amazing and something that we've seen when we've done some really uh, specialised, not for this report, but for other reports and looked at um, the conversation on Twitter, we see that sometimes the most influential and the most vocal people on Twitter around the Congresses are people that aren't actually there. So right, this yeah. definitely backs that up. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. And, and, and how do you assess this, the, the performance? So I know, I know pharma is still trying to navigate this, but what, yeah, what, what's the biggest misconception around metrics, would you say? So I think the first thing would be that having a large number of followers is, does not actually mean that you're being and using social media in an effective way and that you're communicating um, in the most effective way. It's yeah. really important to look at it as quality over quantity. So it's about reaching the right people rather than the most people and reaching them at the right time when they'll be the most receptive to your messaging. Um, Also, the performance for an outsider that's outside the organization and doesn't have access to this dashboard might not look the most enormous or might not look the most glamorous, but the person that's running those ads, so the communicator or the marketeer, they, they will know. And I think it's really important to benchmark against your own previous campaigns that are in that same space. So, Something that would be an example of this would be looking at um, a diabetes. If you're in the diabetes space, looking at your performance metrics now compared to one year ago so that you're comparing apples to apples. Because even if you're looking at numbers for a competitor in their diabetes space, they could be targeting different countries from you. So to make sure that it's apples for apples, it's really about, I guess, benchmarking against yourself and your previous campaigns. 
Um, also at the moment, for example, we're seeing really incredible metrics on LinkedIn, actually the best results I've ever seen across different campaigns that we're running, because that takes into account the nuances that people have more time to spend on the platform and to spend with the content on the platform. Um, and I think the final thing I'd say to close off with this is um, there are dark metrics that you won't see. So yeah, once again, just benchmark against yourselves. Um, don't be too tempted into looking at what the competitors are doing because you won't actually be able to see the full picture. And it's about reaching the right people at the right time. And that not, might not be the most enormous numbers. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, so let's talk about the, the scoring system and the findings of the audit that you've done. So I understand that you construct constructed a, uh, a methodology to measure the social health of each of the pharma companies. Can you, can you talk us through that at all? Yes, of course. So this is the first time we've used this methodology. Uh, every year that we've run the social checkup, we've uh, taken a slightly different approach. Uh, this time we wanted to look at best practice. So what we did is we developed a, a strong checklist uh, based on all of the best practice guidance that comes direct from all of the social networks. And we reviewed the companies across five different categories. So the first of those was corporate identity, which looked at consistency between the channels, particularly in terms of tone of voice and visual style, such as logos. The second category was content, uh, which looked at messaging. So making sure that each post that went out just had one clear message, that companies weren't trying to put too many messages in each post and make them confusing. It also yeah. looked at things like diversity uh, to see if the companies were working with influencers, for example. The third category we looked at was community management, uh, which looked at how the companies direct interacted with their followers, if at all. So some companies weren't even uh, replying to any comments that appeared on the page. But what we were looking at there are things like response times uh, and also personalization of responses. So uh, did they address the people they went back to by name and, and what kind of influence did that have on the, the interaction? Uh, the fourth category we looked at was uh, tech optimization, which looked at uh, the guidance that came from the social channels in terms of things like aspect ratio, mobile optimization, all of those things to ensure that your you know, images aren't cropped out and that all of the copy in them is legible. And finally, we looked at uh, paid social. So were the companies using paid social? And uh, we looked at different levels of sophistication and how companies were using that. And for each of those categories, uh, companies could score um, a possible total 20 points. And that was four points for each category. Right. OK. Now, the, the, the first category you mentioned there, I think, was corporate identity. Um, and I think that was the category that Pharma scored best in across the board. Um, so what, what's involved in getting this right? So the corporate identity analysis looked at consistencies between the corporate channels. So their social media platforms and the corporate website. And the way that we looked at this was around um, if the tone of voice, the visuals and the logos uh, accurately represented the companies when you looked at these all next to each other. What we found was that 27% of the organizations didn't link to all of their social media channels from the corporate website. So they're definitely missing a trick here. Um, yeah. And, you know, adding links to the company's social channels from the corporate website and vice versa, it really helps to promote the channels and increases the chances that users will find them when they're searching for the company. And we know that this also helps their SEO results. So it's something that is really easy to get right and maybe the most obvious if wrong, but it's definitely something that we could see some improvement on across the board. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Even companies of that size aren't, aren't mm. getting the basics right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's hope for us all yet then. <laughs> um, and, and now, is there one category that's more important uh, than any of the others to master or is it, is it just good to, to sort of be a, a bit of a jack of all trades, so to speak? Uh, well, whilst it might be easier to score well in some categories than others, um, they're all uh, important. And that's why we actually scored them equally in our methodology. And in fact, for the most effective social, you really do need to concentrate on getting all of those right. So, for example, you might have the best content in the world uh, with uh, amazing images, uh, really impactful messaging. But if you're not promoting it properly, so not using the right paid social tactics or sending it to the wrong audience, then maybe no one will see it or you won't achieve the results you're hoping to achieve. And actually, yeah. the companies that did best in our report, so the, the top three, for example, um, did well in all of the five categories. Right. Okay. And, and t- taking it up to another level, I guess, we've, we've talked a lot at EMG Health about the importance of leaders being visible. Um, why do you think it's important for the leaders to be active on social media? Well, I guess leaders fall into the influencer space. And when we looked at influencers, we looked at external, so patient groups, healthcare professionals, and we looked at internal. So this would be the C-suite, but it could also be any employee and researchers. So um, leaders in the business from a social perspective, we always have to think about who's telling a really great story. Um, So it's not necessarily about being the CEO. It's about being a subject matter expert and having gravitas and the authority to deliver that information and a really informed point of view. And it's really, really relevant right now. Um, some of the companies have actually put their leaders at the forefront in the content they've produced to talk about COVID. So, for example, we've seen this with BMS. And Novartis were also an example that we pulled out in the report because their um, CEO was recognised by LinkedIn as one of their top voices in 2019. Um, so I guess it's about being really well-respected and sharing that really informed and authoritative point of view, but remembering that, yes, it doesn't have to come from the C-suite. It just has to be someone with authority and experience um, that can speak on behalf of the business. Yeah. And and you mentioned that they're, they're almost influencers themselves. We've seen instances of pharma collaborating with influencers. So is co-creation of content something pharma should be embracing? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, pharma, they are still commercial entities and it makes it much more credible if they can co-create this content with independent parties. And it's really, really important that in this content, they've got a wide range of voices feeding into this content, Uh, collaborating with the key stakeholders. So it could be healthcare professionals or patients or patient groups also really helps them um, gain these insights and stay up to date and helps make them quite informed. So it means that the co-created content that they're putting out, um, they know that it's a value, This all this work that they're doing and that they're commissioning. Um, and also we found that it's really, really beneficial on social media because they're a trusted voice um, and they really have that firsthand experience of how to engage with their audience and how to kind of boost awareness in a really um, genuine and authentic way. And I guess something to say here as well, when it comes to working with influencers, we find the most successful influencer campaigns um, are really done on a long-term basis and they do give the influencers a lot of freedom in a a very compliant way um, so that they're working with talent on and developing that long-term partnership for their co-creation of the content. Brilliant. 
and, and finally, we're, we're running out of time, but um, you know, just just to touch on COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. um, you know, online communities are, are more important than ever at the moment. What, what's the key to building one of these, um, as well as developing a sincere and genuine social voice around it? Uh, well, interestingly enough, we've actually done some uh, other research looking at uh, farmers' response to COVID-19. We actually did it quite early in the response, so things had moved on a little bit since we carried out that piece of research. But one thing we did find out was that the content which was uh, most successful in terms of engaging the followers uh, was content that um, was differentiated. So it was saying something new that wasn't being said by um, other organisations. So if you think that the World Health Organisation, for example, are probably one of the number one voices for health advice, um, pharma companies were trying to put out this content, except it wasn't always landing that well. Um, Sometimes people were questioning why they were the the people to put out that advice. However, when pharma companies were talking about uh, the work that they were doing to ensure that supply chains weren't affected uh, and um, any kind of experimental work they were doing uh, in the fight to find a vaccine or um, any experimental treatments was content that people were really interested in. So at this time, it's really about providing useful and relevant content. Um, It's very much about being transparent and honest and something that we've seen from our social checkup and with uh, any communications that pharma do, it really helps to be very personal in communications as well. So targeting to the right communities when using paid social and also when responding to followers to be as personal as possible and remembering that that you there's people at the other end of the line there um, that you're speaking to and um, you know it helps some companies will say the name of the person on the community management team who's responding and some will address the person they're talking to by name and that really makes a difference in the interaction and you can see that in the responses they get back. I totally agree. It's, it's just the same in anything in life, life isn't yeah. it? It's just being nice to people, being, being, being courteous. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've adopted a little thing recently uh, from one of our uh, one of the guys with us, that's, and he says, who cares wins rather than who dares wins. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's so I true at the moment. Well, all <laughs> I the love time, that. But... That's so nice. And I think it puts the kind of social back into social media, you know, rather than hiding behind a screen, you want to treat people as you would if you saw them face to face. Yeah, and if you think about now, I mean, people just need that personal touch more than ever. Yeah, if you can't see someone's expression, you're not you're kind of missing out on that face to face. You you just need that more gentle personal tone. Yeah, I, I, I've heard a few times now. It it, it should be um, physical distancing, not social distancing. We 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 should still be being social with everyone, and 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 I think it's so important that we do that. But. Um, well, it's been fascinating hearing your insights. Thank you for sharing them. Um, great to hear a bit more about the report. It's been fantastic to have you both on the podcast. A lot of takeaways from today, from the research you've done. So thank you for, for taking the time out of your day uh, and sharing them. Yeah, thank and thank you, you so yeah. much for having us. It was an absolute pleasure. No problem at all. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. We look forward to joining you again next week when we have some more great guests online for the EMG Gold podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.